Hello, you are listening to the Plumfield Moms, and this is Plumfield in Person. Hello, friends. Today we have a mini episode for you. We had worked on a bigger project and realized that what we wanted to do was better if we were to break it into pieces. So what you're going to hear in this episode is a Landmark Books book recommendation from library lady Mary Schubert of the Purcell Schubert Legacy Library in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Mary's book is World Landmark Book Alexander the Great by John Gunther, published in 1953. So I get to do ancient history because Alexander the Great is one of the two ancient history books that John Gunther did. He did Alexander the Great, and then he also wrote the Julius Caesar Mm -hmm. book. And I have to say, Christy and I kind of had a little bit of conversation in the background as we were going through these, because this one is not quite as story narrative in the one sense Mm -hmm. as well. But when you stop and consider putting all of Alexander the Great's battles and feats and conquering of the known world at that time for as far as they could go mm-hmm. into less than 180 pages. <laughs> it's it's actually pretty extraordinary that he did the job that he did. Oh. And as I read this book of John Gunther's, mm-hmm. he was writing this as though he was writing to his son. And he mentions things about, well, you know about Hitler, and you know about Napoleon, but here's about Alexander the Great. It's like a grandfather telling a story. Yes. And he knew that children, young people at that time, when he wrote this, would have recognized the name Hitler. They would have recognized the name Napoleon. They probably had studied it in in their studies. Today, that may not be the case. And so for people that are reading the reprint, which does not have pictures like the, the landmark does, the original, and the, the map has in the reprint has a lot more um, cities and things marked and detailed. So when you're following him along as he's going across Asia and India, it, it, you have a little bit more to follow along. But I just feel like this book would be one that you could read aloud to nine, nine-year-olds and up mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and have some conversations, Sure, have some discussions. I mean, when it comes to ideas or things to talk about, like lifestyle, um, decision-making, I've got like... I just tabbed my book constantly. And so I think it'd be something that as a read aloud, that she could have that good kind of conversation with your child. Yeah. Just as an example of what that feels like. So he marched against Thebes, took it and burned the city to the ground. 30,000 Thebans were sold into slavery and 6,000 Thebans were killed. Those were gigantic casualty lists for those days. In the entire city of Thebes, Alexander spared exactly one house, the home of the celebrated poet Pindar. He had always liked Pindar's poetry. 
This is the first of a long series of atrocities charged against Alexander. It was wicked of him to have had so many people killed and to have sacked and burned such a fine city as Thebes. But in this period of history, it was customary to punish cities that revolted. Alexander felt that he had to make an example of Thebes in order to teach the other Greeks a lesson. It did teach them a lesson too. That narration just goes on and then you're just wondering, well, what's Alexander doing next? And I don't know. So I really thought it was a really engaging story. And because of that type of storytelling, I think it's really accessible for younger children. I think boys six to eight might really like it and still connect to the story. Boys nine to 12 can read it on their own and love it. And I think a middle schooler, because the writing is still well done with great use of language that you have a middle schooler or even a high schooler or a grown mama who could really enjoy it. Mm. He does start the book out drawing the reader in with the story about Alexander trying to tame the horse that becomes his. Mm -hmm. And he starts out the book with that to kind of draw you in. Mm. But then the next chapter, he goes into geography, much like with the, the Barbary pirates, but he's trying to set the stage and give you an understanding of the history and the background. So it's also a good geography kind of read to at least get some of that history about Greece and so forth. And, and then he progresses on and, and goes into the other, just the feats and so forth of Alexander the Great. He summarized it all up with the story of Alexander by saying, Legends began to grow up about Alexander soon after his death. As if the bare bones of the truth was not enough, a romance of Alexander came into being and was embroidered upon for century after century all over Europe and Asia. However, no embroidery can ever be more magnificent than the simple outline of his career and conquest. No embroidery could be more tragic than the struggle between the richly gifted Alexander and the dark forces that eventually destroyed him. And I think that was the whole point of the book that Gunther was using as he thought through the writing of this, this book. Mm-hmm. He says, Alexander was not merely a wrecker, a destroyer like some other conquerors. He had freshness, scope, and above all, imagination. He brought Greek civilization to the entire East, which continues to remember him, for to this day, he is known everywhere in Asia as the great Iskander. Also, he brought Asiatic civilization to the West. Not only did he serve to bring Europe to Asia, he brought Asia to Europe too. (laughs) And I think that's one of the reasons why it's important for us with our young people to to bring a character like Alexander the Great to the forefront for them to know, to study, to learn about, because he did have ambition and he had a desire to, to seek new things and, and to strive. He was the explorer, you know, he was the early explorer, mm-hmm. but then he also had his downfalls. Right. And I have some other 
books that are intended for high school or other age um, that I've kind of did some research and looking at. And they get into discussions about things that maybe a lot of moms don't want to go quite that far into. Right. And I feel like this is this is a fairly safe but thorough. Yes. A good history. Yeah. Right. And that's really the hallmark of the landmark books is that you're going to get a really good and faithful telling of the person or the event or the thing, but it's going to be safe. It might not right. be tame. What is it? With Aslan, what is the quote? He's not a tame lion, but he is safe. And the landmark books, I feel, are that they fit that bill. They are not necessarily tame, but they are safe. They may stretch us. They may cause us to think other things. They may cause us to have never-ending fights about whether or not Captain Kidd is a pirate. Just interesting, so many of these landmark books, they are meant to be handed to a 10-year-old or a 12-year-old or a 14-year-old, but they so many of them are excellent read-alouds. I want to go back to one of the things you said, Mary, about read aloud that it affords you the opportunity to pause where pause is necessary or even just to be on the same page as your child. You know what they're reading. You're in the same room as them when they're reading it. You can glance up and see their expressions and then you can read that at morning basket at 10 a.m. and maybe at dinner that night somebody makes a reference to the book or you can make a reference and you can get a little bit more of a reaction out of your child and then as that builds you can have those conversations in ways that are natural and organic because it's become part of your culture your shared experience. So a lot of the landmarks were originally published. And then there was those book club editions that came with the author letters. And so if you find one of those author letters in one of your books, sometimes it's really fun because the author gives you a sense of why they wrote, why this subject was the thing for them, why they wrote it the way they wrote it. John Gunther does write a letter and I think it kind of talks to why he wrote it the way he did it. But just to quote a couple of things from it, he says, Alexander the Great was, to my way of thinking, one of the supreme human beings of all time. He had practically everything, good looks, courage, and imagination that soared to the ends of the earth. And as everyone knows, phenomenal military prowess. Probably he was the greatest soldier who ever lived. And then he goes on for a little bit. And then he says, yet Alexander's own life ended abruptly when he was 33 and he had many faults. The story of his spectacular fall is almost as fascinating as that of his rise. Apparently, he could not learn a simple lesson, that it is no good conquering the world if you don't conquer yourself first. Anyway, Alexander's life is one of the supreme adventure stories of all time. Wow, what a great letter! And there's another place where he says, he declared, this is Alexander speaking, quote, it is more princely for a king to conquer himself than to overcome his enemies, end quote. If years later he had followed this self-given advice, he might have had a different and much happier end. And then it goes on to the next thing. So I keep finding myself going, oh, do tell, like, what's the next thing that he does? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> 